You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, brought to you in association with Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs. Getting noticed isn't always easy, because there's so much noise! But at Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, we make it easy. With standout signs, business cards, shop fronts, banners, leaflets, vehicle graphics, the lot. Showcasing your products, advertising your brand, and getting business noticed. So, what can we do for you? Forrest Hepburn and McDonald, creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Waiting in the middle, and Jancic put a decent ball in. It's a deep one. Up goes McKenna, hit it back across, gone to the net. Kevin McKenna with the equaliser for Hearts. It's one all, and scenes of absolute joy in the away end. Hello, and welcome to Scarves Around the Funnel, the podcast dedicated to Heart of Midlothian Football Club. In crisis again, maybe. I'm Laurie Dunsire, joined once again for Crisis Talks with Mark Donaldson. <laughs> Laurie, hello. I wish to start with an apology to Scott Steedman. And the apologies because I didn't respond to him on Twitter for the tweet I'm about to read out from him to me. Uh, but I am going to respond now right at the top of the show. It simply says, still on Cockanny, Donaldson ESPN. Time to find a replacement. We can do a lot better than this. Surely we can. Well, I knew we were going to be talking about the fallout from the Aberdeen game. And that's based on a comment I made last week when I said, look, everybody who's just like, Robbie out now, this is a disgrace. Just call canny. There'll be plenty talk. But we've had a, we, we've done a lot of talking. We did a lot of talking last week. Um, so what we've done this week, Mr. Dunsar, is... We've got a little bit of help from our friends. Yes, we've we've recruited some assistants this week because the plan was uh, we had one podcast scheduled this week with a couple of special guests. That will still be going ahead. Scott Wilson and John Robertson will be joining us on a podcast that will be out later this week to Tank Castle Legends, one for what he did with a mic and one for what he did with the, the ball at his feet. So we're looking forward to that, but we felt it would be um, it wouldn't be right for us to just have that podcast on because it wasn't going to be a big focus on the Aberdeen game, wasn't going to be a big dissection of what's going on at Hearts just now. We were maybe going to save that for the next one um, during the international break, but because what's going on just now, because of the result of the weekend and the fallout, we felt we had to do something extra. So this is a little bit of an extra episode this week. But you've heard plenty from Mark, plenty from myself. So this week, we are also joined, firstly, by Scott McIntosh, who uh, runs the Amoruso Let's It Run account on Twitter. How are we doing, Scott? Yeah, thanks very much for having me on, guys. It's a pleasure. Uh, We appreciate you taking the time to come on and chat with us. And we're also joined by uh, another returning guest. Scott's been on before, of course, and so has Mr. Ian McLeod, um, who... Told me to introduce him just with his name, but we'll say, you know, formerly of Save Our Hearts and a man who played a very big part in those campaigns that kept this club alive. Um, here for his latest Robbie Out rant, is it? Well, <laughs> oh, wait and see. But uh, <laughs> good evening, chaps. Good to be back. 
pleasure to have you on and of course we wind you up but um we've always had a good balance view from you but we know you've, you've been critical but also fair on the manager at times so we wanted to get some different opinions and uh, we're delighted to have scott and ian on the podcast this week so we are going to talk about the current situation um in terms of the fallout from the aberdeen game what went wrong in that game and generally uh, the manager's position tactics you know players what's the sort of minimum expectations for the rest of the season what are we looking at going forward so we're going to have a chat with Scott and Ian. We're also going to go through some of the tweets that we received about this. We put this out there on social media before the podcast. So quite a few views from you, the listener. So we'll get into them and we'll see where this takes us over the next hour or so. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. Could they not have given us a sign last Friday about what was going to happen? I mean, I don't know if they're those kind of signs that they give us. <laughs> they're branching yeah. out into advance warning signs. <laughs> okay. Oh. Yeah, branch, branching out a little bit. Um, well, uh, mm. let's have a talk about it. So, Aberdeen against Hearts and the fallout. Um, uh, first up, Mark, what we'll, we'll, I guess we'll get Scott's views on it, but I thought it'd be good. You could go through something that you actually sent to me. We had a chat about um, at the weekend, which was what Scott posted on Twitter after yeah. the game, which I thought was quite a good summation of things. Yeah, and we'll, we'll get Scott to, to round up his um, his points of the tweet. Uh, when we were speaking in the preamble before we came on air, he's like, oh, maybe it, it was... It was seen as, as kind of guiding somebody down the wrong way. It, it wasn't. It, it, it was a it was a very good summation. It wasn't a taking sides. It was a here's where we are. Here's here's what's happened. Here's the comparison between where we are and 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 where we've been. And yeah, I mean, Scott, what was the reasoning behind deciding that that was the right time to put out? A, it was a thread of tweets, um, and I thought. On the whole, it was it was very well put. But what was your reasoning behind doing that? And what was the gist? If anybody didn't see your thread uh, on Twitter, what was the gist behind it? Yeah, I think I think first and foremost, just for a selfish point of view, it was quite therapeutic, uh, just to get as much as I could uh, down on that platform and, and sort of not you know chew the ears off my my family or friends for, for sort of the next few days after that. The the main the main reason that I posted what I did was was purely to try and get the focus a bit more lasered on current goings on at the club and the current legitimate concerns that I think the majority of the fans are raising regarding our, our current team shape and our system and our formation, particularly from home. What I've seen quite recently over the last few weeks, whenever we've had a, a sort of negative result, is that people tend to start bringing up, you know, ex-managers or ex-eras or, or, you know, other waveform is all of a sudden, you know, not good enough or, you know, we're only good because the rest of the league's rubbish. And I just felt that a lot of people were weakening their own arguments by bringing those sorts of uh, 
arguments up. Uh, so I done a bit of digging into it. I found that Robbie's record was, you know, good in comparison to say Craig Levine's first spell, Jim Jeffries' first spell, which are probably the the two best or biggest samples that you can use from the last sort of thirty years. And what I wanted to do with the Fred was then intersperse that information with legitimate concerns that people have raised over the last few months. And and I think. To be fair, it's probably legitimate concerns dating back even to last season when we started the season undefeated. Uh, it's quite interesting that the the Aberdeen game on Saturday was probably it mirrored in some respects the way that we played at Petodre last year when we lost that undefeated streak uh, mm-hmm. in that 2-1 game in terms of our, our wing-backs being pinned back and you know feeling like we were a man down in midfield. So that was kind of the main reasons for for sort of posting the thread, it really was to try and help people that are in that Robbie out camp to say, I'm not disagreeing with what you're saying. I just think that he's looking at it from the, you know, the wrong viewpoint. You should just be focusing on the here and now rather than, you know, wanting to make comparisons, which in effect actually weren't really stacking up when you, uh, when you digged into it. I think one of the things, um, you know, looking at the Aberdeen game in particular, Scott, I guess it's frustrating, you know, even looking back at our last podcast before the Aberdeen game, um, two of the things that, you know, Mark and I spoke about and mentioned um, were, you know, this 3-4-3 is not really going to work in a game like this. It's not the right formation for it. So we didn't want to see that. And we didn't want to see Barry Mackay starting because we feel Barry Mackay has lots of talents. He's inconsistent, but if he was consistent, he wouldn't be at hearts. But games like this, you know, you're going to be not up against it, but you're going to be playing a team who are going to want to come at you. It's going to be a bit of a battle. It's not going to be a game where hearts are dominating at home and getting lots of space to work with. It's not a game for Barry Mackay. Even if you take away Barry Mackay's maybe poor form, just generally it's not a game for Barry Mackay away to Aberdeen. And we play 3-4-3 and Barry Mackay plays the whole game. Um, It just seems like, I think that's where, you know, we're not tacticians. I'm not going to pretend to be a football coach, although I like to pretend to be a football manager when I'm playing on the PC, of course. But there seems to be some glaring things. You know, for all Robbie Nielsen's positives at hearts, there's some glaring things that it's very hard to look at and think, how are you not seeing that? <laughs> it, it's it's a really ambitious formation for, for a club at our level to try and implement. I think the... The best two examples of three four three formations that I've I've seen over the last 20, 30 years, you look at the Conte sort of system that he's implemented in many sides, and, and Chelsea's one of the better examples of that. Spurs probably less so. And then you look at the, the sort of Barcelona team under Johan Cruyff in the 90s, who had a sort of three four three system, but it was more of a sort of diamond formation in the midfield rather than a, a sort of flat four. It's... It, so you're talking about elite teams and elite managers here who are able to make it work. I just you're also you're also talking about elite wing backs. Yeah, get forward. And how many times have you seen those teams? Atalanta under Gasparini a few years ago, wing back to wing back. We don't have those wing backs to be able to play that system, Scott. Yeah, yeah. So straight away, that's that's the biggest issue with the formation. I think it's far too it's far too much of an ask. For, for, for teams at our level to implement it correctly. Uh, and then when you go back to personnel, at the current moment in time, it really can't be implemented. Last season, we made it just about work because 
Benny and Devlin were probably the two best central midfielders in the league in terms of covering space and, and intercepting the ball. Uh, playing it with Keogh and Snodgrass in the middle definitely isn't going to help you. Uh, and as you've alluded to with the, the comments about Barry Mackay, I think you know Mackay's probably being hung out to dry just now with this formation. It definite, definitely doesn't suit him from a defensive viewpoint as well. Uh, so yeah, definitely a lot that can that can be improved upon. Ian, is there one thing that we can change that would make everything all right? Uh, no, I don't think there's one thing. I think it's a, a number of things. You, you were talking about, could we get a sign? If you look at my Twitter feed from last Friday, I think <laughs> the majority of people on it, including myself, were extremely sceptical of getting a result at Petodre for a for a couple of reasons. One, our record up there is shocking, like our general away record, but especially at Petodre. Uh, so I was worried about that. But then again, we managed to overcome the hoodoos of uh, St. Johnston away this season, Kilmarnock at home this season. So I was living in hope. But I was also slightly worried that we just thumped on 5 nothing at Tyne Castle, which, in all honesty, flattered us a bit. But we absolutely thumped them, and we knew, you know, they've got a change of manager, they've got a temporary manager in their caretaker, and um, we knew they'd be up for it. And as we saw at Motherwell, when a team's up for it, and they score first, that's usually enough. So there was plenty of signs last Friday for me, and unfortunately, you know, our worst fears were realised, but I didn't expect capitulation in, in, in 30 minutes, to be honest, but... No, there's more than there's more than one thing wrong at Hearts. I think we have to look at recruitment. A lot of people were saying this is the best squad that we've ever had, which possibly could be true, but are we getting the most out of them? I don't think so. Coaching, is anybody actually improving? I look at guys like uh, Atkinson that was brought in to presumably replace Michael Smith, but then he can't defend. Who's coaching him to defend? Now, the managers are an ex-defender. I'm not seeing any improvements in uh, Atkinson's defensive abilities. And it looks like he's been discarded now. You know, he's, he's, he's on the bench. He's, he's not started for a, for a while, I don't think. But I think he's got attributes going forward. So the, Snodgrass, he's a guy that's been an attacking mid his whole career. But we've converted him in a... Defensive mid or a deep deep lion mid. Why have we done that? I would one of the things I think we need to change is play players in their proper positions. Second thing we need to change, in my opinion, bin the 3-4-3, certainly away from home. It seems to work at Tyne Castle. It doesn't work away from Tyne Castle because the wing backs, as you've alluded to, Mark, just do not get forward. So what happens is our possession is recycled in the last third and there is no cutting edge whatsoever. Shanklin's running about, Janelli's running about up front. Nobody's ever finding them because the easier pass is inside or backwards. Um, that's why our possession stats are ridiculously high away from home. Uh, I've done some research, believe it or not, since the last international break to this international break we've had well 12 games that I've analysed um, 
I've omitted the cup games and I've omitted the old forum because, as I'm forever being told on uh, Twitter, you're deluded if you think we can compete with the old forum, which is a valid point. But if you take that kind of critical thinking, we should certainly be able to compete with Motherwell, Livingston and the likes because our resources, with the money that's getting funneled into the club at the minute from UEFA, from benefactors, from foundation, from the money we got from the World Cup for the Australians, you know, none of these clubs can match that. So if you're going to apply that to the old firm, I think it's fair that we apply that to clubs like Livingston and Motherwell, which we drop points at. But the possession stats are interesting because at Time Castle, over the 12 games, this is not all firm games, we've got 60% average possession and I've compared that to shots on target and at Tynecastle, shots on target are 5.6. Away from home, what do you think happens? Same possession. Well, 60%. No, yeah, no shots yeah, on target. A lot less shots. <laughs> what do you think happens to the possession? About the same. Or is it... it goes up. It goes up. up. Okay, okay. Really? It wow. goes up. Because we're playing... Possession-based football here. The problem is, it's turgid. It's pedestrian. Teams are allowed to reset. They just let us have the ball, like Aberdeen. Aberdeen, the last one, 62% possession for us. No shots on target. That's because Aberdeen go three up, they just let us have the ball. Yeah. Because we're not going to do anything with it. So... And, the, and the, right, the average is 64%, but the shots on target, as you've rightly spotted, plummet to 2.8. Now, I'm not going to compare ourselves to Celtic and Rangers, but I don't think their style changes whole and away. Ours does. We've had some ropey performances at Tyne Castle, but overall, we usually manage to win the game. Dundee United, for example... We struggled for 70 minutes with them had a man sent off. We end up winning 3-1. Again, it kind of flatters us, but we're all talking about Humphrey's fantastic goal at the end. So we got away bouncing, and that's another win in the bank. Away from home, there's, there's absolutely no cutting edge whatsoever. And at Tyne Castle, our wing-backs, the same guys, they've gone forward. Cochrane's chipped in a few goals. Michael Smith scored a screaming against Aberdeen by bombing forward. They don't do it away from home. And I suspect that's the cautious nature of the manager. What do you guys think? I, I, I thought, just one thing I thought would be quite useful to, I don't know if um, don't know if you guys saw this thread on, on kickback. There's obviously a lot of threads on kickback. A lot of, a lot of anger and a lot of um, arguments, but this one was quite good. I don't know if you saw it from Lord Benny of Gorgie. This was um, this was quite a good at breakdown. So I'll quickly go through this. So um, it's quite a big post, but I'll say he wants to go into the contrast um, of where the issues seem to be. So he says home matches without the old firm: one ten drawn, one lost, none scored, thirty one conceded, nine. 31 points out of 33 so formation and everything clearly works at these games at home bar celtic and rangers to the points it's excellent away matches against the bottom six one three drawn three lost one fine not brilliant probably a little better than average but it's still working well enough that you've taken 12 points from seven matches um, you might be one less draw and average two points per game. No biggie, though, in the grand scheme. This is probably on track to finish third and comfortably. It's not perfect, but it's hardly a problem. 
It's when you start looking at games against other teams in the top half away yes. and let's mm-hmm. throw in home games against the old firm into the pot. That's when they're probably, these are probably harder. So away matches against Levy, Hibs, Aberdeen, home matches against Celtic Rangers. Um, one none, drawn two, lost nine, four, five against 24 goals. Two points out of 33. Uh, the two teams currently sitting in the relegation zone, Dundee United also have two, and Ross County have managed seven from equivalent fixtures, which is damning. The opposition is clearly much harder, so you would expect the stats to be worse, but to this extent, um, this is where the slavery to a system is costing us. We're clearly not good enough to persevere with a way of playing against these teams. With the amount of analysis these days, it's really disappointing we've done nothing, absolutely nothing to fix this. The two points were, unsurprisingly, Easter Road, and should have been three, but for late fragility, and a nil-nil at Livingston. Um, an ugly game, but probably a fair result. Um, so... That, I thought, was quite an interesting way to look at it, that we've got a system that seems to get results at home against teams below us, effectively. You know, take the Glasgow teams out of it. Um, Away from home against the bottom six, we do all right. You know, you could maybe improve on that a bit, but we've only lost one away from home against those. So it's fine if you're getting all your other points. It's those other games, isn't it? It's where you're playing teams that are better than us or similar you know not too bad middle middle mid to upper table teams that's what it seems to be that we've not got a game plan for it isn't it that's where the issue is I, I would argue though if we had beaten Livingston away and Motherwell away we would not be having this conversation today but that's what I mean those two I mean obviously not the, the Motherwell one but the uh, the Livingston one um, obviously falls in there the Motherwell one I think was the one defeat away um, bottom six, but the Livingston one is one of the games where we've obviously we've lost, and it's it's attributed to two points out of thirty three against yeah those top six teams because we've only got one point against away to Livy out of two games. I, I, I know, and we're told it's a hard place to go, and then Hibs go there and thump them. So, do you? Th- I mean, we've obviously got some slightly different angles here because you know you're thinking there is a slightly different approach with our team away from home, um, and obviously what we're talking about with Scott was. Is it that we're trying to implement the same approach and it just doesn't work in these games because teams will play differently at home? You know, Aberdeen were obviously far more aggressive in that game. And you can maybe say that, yeah, they were looking to avenge that 5-0 defeat, but they were far more aggressive than what they would have been at Tynecastle, where they actually started the game all right. Um, like you say, in that game, it was it was ridiculous we were winning that game 4-0 at half time. I actually thought... Yeah. We were more dominant the second half when we won 1-0. But, um, well, yeah. well, funnily enough, the, the Aberdeen game on Saturday there, our possession was 62%. The 5-0, it was 55% at Tynecastle. Yeah, is it? Is it we're, we're trying to play out from the back in these games, but teams won't let us like they do it. You know, at Tynecastle, we can maybe assume that we'll have the ball and we can actually get deep into the opposition half before they engage us. Whereas, you know, Motherwell for Park... Aberdeen at Pataudry, they're not going to let us knock the ball around up to their own half, maybe in our own half and when they've got a 3-0 lead but the second half was irrelevant, wasn't it? I mean, you can't read the second half on Saturday because Aberdeen took the foot off the gas they didn't need to force the issue I think we were apprehensive about you know, making it an embarrassing scoreline so it was a bit of a almost cancel each other out Absolutely, Um, I mean, I I believe somebody was googling how to leave at half time (laughs) I had to find something to cheer me up Scott, um, I want, I want to, uh, oh, oh, Scott, Andy, sorry, you know, I want to look at 
Robbie's away record in, in both spells. And he's, he's actually won the same number of away games in the Premier League um, in both spells, albeit the first time round he played 26 away games. He won nine and he, he drew nine and he only lost eight. So, I mean, it's, it's a win record of 34%, but it's 68% of games that he didn't lose away from home. That's in his first spell. This isn't as good reading. 33 games away from home in the Premier League in his second spell, also nine wins, but 11 draws and 13 defeats. Just a 27% win ratio there. So we're not seeing improvement away from home. And I don't think you can say that the quality of opposition that Robbie's facing with Hearts in his second spell is any better. It might not even be as good as, certainly from out with the old firm, than his first spell. So has he learned that when we go away from home, something has to change and he hasn't yet done that? Or what's the reasoning behind such a poor away record, which is much worse than it was during his first spell in charge? Well, I'll, I'll give you my view. I mean, Scott's happy for Scott to come in, but uh, when, when Robbie was appointed the second time, I was ambivalent for this reason. I didn't know which version of Robbie we were getting. Was it version one that romped the championship with Rangers and Hibs in it, playing high-tempo, fast-attacking football with guys like Billy King, uh, Sam Nicholson, Gomez, etc., and so up front? Or was it version two? Because when, when Robbie got promoted to the Premiership, something changed, and he started to worry about... Oh, Hamilton, I've got Templeton up front. What can we do to stop him? Instead of letting Hamilton worry about us. And I think he goes deeper and deeper into that mindset. mindset. And the answer is, we've got version two. He, he overthinks things. He worries too much. And there's a, there's a vast difference in the way we play away from home. The tempo, we start really slowly. I mean, start... Saturday there, I think we lost the goal in three minutes or something like that. Um, and once you get in, you know, once you start slowly, it's difficult to actually get out of that and, and pick up the game. You've got a mountain to climb. So I think it needs to change and be more flexible. Sticking with this 3-4-3, especially away from home, it's going to cost us. And, you know, people are talking about Hibs and Aberdeen being basket cases which was, I think, for the first half of the season, that's that's fair. But they're both getting their act together now. So our eight-point lead is now four points. We need to do something different, especially away from home, because we're being shown up in this run at the minute of games away from home. We're losing points. And, you know, would you like it to go down to two points in a derby at Easter Road? I don't think so. Scott, what's your take on the differences, the, the, the kind of compare and contrast, the dichotomy between the two records of, of Robbie first spell in the Premier League away from home and second spell so far? Nine wins in both, but a considerably worse record for defeats in the second spell. Yeah, to, to be fair to Robbie, I, I think one of the criticisms that was aimed at him during his first spell was about his tinkering. And I think he was actually more prone, as Ian said, of overthinking what the other team was maybe potentially going to do. 
and you actually saw them chopping and changing between personnel and sort of formation and shape quite a bit, almost on a week-to-week basis. The problem this time round is that he's being really stubborn to the point in which he's trying to make, you know, square pegs fit in round holes. Uh, if you look throughout the, the sort of first 11 just now, I see at least four or five players who are constantly being played out of position. And sometimes it's minor issues. So take Kai Rolls, for example. I think that Kai Rolls is better suited to a flat back four. He's seen that in the World Cup. I don't think he's particularly comfortable being asked to bring the ball out from the left side of a back three in the same way that Kingsley was doing last season uh, so efficiently for us. You then look at other players like Shankland who are being sort of played out wide to try and accommodate Ginelli in a position. I think purely because we don't trust Ginelli as a right winger and I understand the reasons for that. So I think there's there's a definite difference between what Robbie was doing then and what he's doing maybe in the wrong way now. I actually think he's not overthinking it away from home. I think he thinks that the same system can work away just as it does at home. And I think purely down to how the opposition set up is why we're seeing different results. So as you guys have already alluded to, the likes of Aberdeen and Motherwell tend to be a bit more aggressive, especially in terms of maybe pinning us back white in wide areas. And unfortunately... Copton and Michael Smith are fullbacks. It's that's never going to change. They're never going to be wing backs. They're always going to be natural fullbacks. And because of that, I think they will it's almost just like, you know, nature or habit for them to just retreat back five yards if they feel they're getting pinned back. So that's why we're seeing that issue happen more away from home than at home. I would go one further than Ian and say that I don't like the three four three at home as well as away from home. Now, results obviously would argue that point, but if you look at it game to game, there's two prime examples of games where we played Ross County at home at the start of the season and then Dundee United last month, where those two teams came to Tynecastle knowing fine well how we were going to set up. They were happy for us to... They were happy to concede possession, and then what they'd done was they overloaded the wide areas on the counter to good effect... And in both cases, both those teams should have been out of sight before we got our, you know, our house in order in the second half. So I definitely think the three four three is a, is an issue at home as well as away from home. It just hasn't quite caught up on us yet uh, in the way that I think it will eventually. Uh, but definitely away from home, that needs to change. And and I think for me again, the difference now is that I'm not seeing Robbie being flexible at all. Uh, and he's in, and in terms of personnel and shape, he's, he's seldom changing it. Forrest Hepburn and McDonald have been making creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. For more, visit fhmcdsigns.co.uk. Let's have a look at some of the messages we've got, see if we can um, pick up some points from here uh, on Twitter. So Jimmy M said, uh, so we asked people about, are they Robbie in or out? What's the best formation? We asked about the likes of Snodgrass and Mackay and will Hearts get third? So this is what some of the replies are based on. So Jimmy M says he's Robbie in. Our three at the back came about in the championship when he inherited an unbalanced squad and Kingsley could play as an attacking left-sided centre-back, a bit like Tierney for Scotland. Kingsley's form isn't there since injury, so we need to freshen it up. 
uh, talking tiny podcasts uh, has to go for a back four for those who go to games especially uh, you'll know how it is the same problems that cost us every week uh, the main one being that we get outnumbered in the middle of the park and the fact that our wing backs are full backs just like Scott was saying um, Flitch says Robbie Nielsen in needs to move to a back four it's like deja vu every time we have a rough spell are we saying not getting third is a sackable offence I'm not sure one area where we've been poor in the recent is recent recruitment. Oda, Kuol and Hill um, compared to Sims last year who made a real difference. It's a good point there, Mark. Uh, you know, Joe Savage has rightly got a lot of praise. Um, he's done a great job since being at Hearts. We look at January, so the three players in, Oda, Kuol, Hill. Is that, is that sufficient, do you think, in terms of quality and numbers? Well, we were told that Oda is a project, and now he's picked up an injury, so I don't know when we'll see him again, probably not in the short term. Kuol, Kuol's a weird one, because you don't know if there's something there, given the, the, the lack of substantive evidence, and you pointed out four games or four starts, I think it was, for Central Coast Mariners, um, but when you play at a World Cup at such a young age, there, there comes an expectation um, I don't think his cause was helped by being played in a midfield role, which was wrong, against Rangers. And Hill, I think we saw more of, of better from James Hill towards the star when he first came into the team. He seemed like he was a ball-carrying centre-back. He seemed confident. That seems to have gone for now, or seems to have been been lost for now. I'm intrigued to see it, and we're, we're all desperate for, for Robbie to, to go to a, a, a four um, because the three with without eligible or or wing backs that aren't mobile enough to to get forward just isn't working. So if he goes to a four, it's rolls. And as the guys were saying, he looks far better in a four, um, like he did at the World Cup when he played with Harry Souter and a another. I mean, you can't really play two left sided centre backs, so that rules out Cochrane and and Kingsley. You could play. Cochrane easily as a left-back have roles alongside him. But do you play Civic or, or do you play Hill? Again, I, 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 I don't know I'd right play now. Smith. I'd play Civic and Smith. You touched on recruitment there. Um, the difference with the recruitment this time is we're starting to pay fees. So that brings its own pressure. And we've got Grant, we've got Keogh, we've got Oda. We've paid money for them as far as I can understand. And uh, Oda's obviously a project, but the other two aren't threatening the first team as regulars for some reason. Uh, I've seen Keo against Aberdeen and he looked he looked to me a bit a bit lost, didn't know what, what, what he was doing. A bit of fault with um, at least one of the goals. Um, recruitment, we should have replaced Halkett, and we didn't. And as a result of that, Every time a cross comes into our box, we tend to lose a goal. We lost two on Saturday from what I would describe as box-standard crosses yeah. coming in. And, and Duke, not exactly a giant, he's, he's rose unchallenged in our box to pick his spot pass under Clark. And, uh, and the centre-back has got, got the run of the defence. I think that was offside, by the way, but I'd, I'd given up complaining by that time. Um, so... We brought in Hill. Hill is not a ball-winning centre-half as far as I can see. So we've replaced Halkett with Hill 
And I think that's that was a bad piece of recruitment in that context. We still haven't replaced Hulkett and, and John Souter, if you like. Although you could argue that bringing, it, bringing in rules does that. But I agree, has to be a back four. Has to be a back four. So recruitment for me, I think there's a big question mark over it. But because we've invested money in these signings, I, I, I think the return on investment has to be third. Has to be third. Looking at some other messages, Graham said, I'm still Robbie in just now, but he needs to stop being stubborn and change the formation and play players in their proper role. Snorri and Mackay is a hard one, but might need to freshen up. I think we will just sneak third by a couple of points, but performances need to change. Uh, Kier says, I'd like to see a 4-3-3 or a 4-2-3-1 tried, at least, um, or at least being a plan B when chasing a game. If fit and informed, they should be in contention for us, Mackay and Snodgrass. The fact they both seem to play regardless is an issue, especially the other players who drop in and out of the side. Uh, what do you think of Snodgrass, um, Scott? So he was obviously looked a terrific signing initially. Um, he was playing that playmaker role quite well. He was, um, I thought, far better when he first came in than I expected. I thought he'd be a squad player and we would play him further up the field, but with his age he wouldn't play every week and he maybe wouldn't be able to play 90 minutes on a regular basis like Ian says he's kind of turned into a deeper player but he feels like one of those that kind of like our formation teams have figured him out and realized he doesn't have any legs hearts will try and play through him from the back constantly so if you pin him back put two players on him or close him down constantly hearts can't get out um are we stuck trying to play through Snodgrass. I thought Motherwell especially was a prime example of it. In a midfield two, you've got an ageing Robert Snodgrass who's not got legs. You know, he's very technically gifted. Are we focusing too much on trying to play through him? Should we, you know, should he be out of the team or should we at least be trying to find ways to support him in the middle or find other avenues to get up the park? Yeah, I definitely think he's being failed by the, the formation that we're playing. And, and, I, and I think... Playing Snodgrass so deep has actually had an impact on the centre halves as well, uh, and it's quite funny. You've alluded already to the impact that James Hill had when he first came into the team, and he looked fairly confident on the ball. He was playing those sort of long diagonals that were sort of reminiscent of what John Suter was doing in a maroon jersey as well over the last few seasons. But then you've sort of seen his confidence dip. Uh, I think Kai Rolls as well has looked sort of less assured on the ball. And I think a lot of it comes from playing Snodgrass in that sort of quarterback role where he's, he is demanding the ball all the time. And there seems to have just now been a a responsibility just given to him to always have the ball. And the centre-halves now are, ju are just barely even trying anything. They're barely trying to bring the ball out, which again negates... They seem the to give him the ball... The back three. They seem to, he seems to ask for the ball when he shouldn't really be the player getting the ball, I've noticed. I don't know if you've seen that in games. Sorry to cut you off there, but No, no. Um, no, you're right. You're he, he, he demands it. Right. He shouts for it. And he's got two... He's like running towards his own goal. He's got two players kind of tracking him. He's demanding the ball from the centre-backs who then give it to him. Gives it, they give him the ball. And sometimes in the game, I'm like, all he can do is either turn around and lose the ball or he's going to have to give it back to you. And sometimes it's like, yeah, I do, and I, look, obviously we don't know, is that dictated by Snodgrass? Is it the manager telling him to do that? Are the defenders told to give him the ball? But sometimes I've noticed in games, he's like demanding the ball 
And it just seems like, why would you give him the ball? You're just going to put him in bother. And the best case scenario, he's going to have to give it back to you again. I, I, I still think he's got a lot to offer this side. And I don't know whether it's something we'll have time to maybe touch on later on. But if if I was asked to sort of, you know, pick a formation and a, a sort of a living that fitted that just now uh, for the, the final running, he would be heavily involved in that. I'd have him play as a number 10 I'd have him involved in a 4-2-3-1 system and, you know, remove that sort of defensive responsibility from him and get him playing in an area where his quality shines. You know, he's still yeah. a great... He can actually still, over a distance of, say, five yards, he can still carry the ball pretty well. He's still got quick feet. Uh, he's got a good shot on him, which, of course, we're not getting to see because he's having to play so deep in the current formation. So I definitely think Snodgrass has got a lot to offer, but he's definitely being failed by the current system. I'll go through a few more messages, but that's a good point, uh, Scott. We should, we'll should get some teams from everyone, see what their preferred lineup would be. Um, let's see, we've got Kenny Hunter uh, says, still Robbie in, but if we don't finish third, serious questions need to be asked. Um, I definitely want Mackay to start, but he should never be in central midfield. I can't believe Nielsen cannot recognise this. Um, Jambo Kaz says, Robbie in. He's done enough for us to have faith in him turning the form around. I think people are, are right about his stubbornness and sticking to what isn't working with the players he has. I hope he changes things up for the remaining away games. Um, Chile says, you can see it a mile away, three at the back until third is gone, then he'll change. If we're playing this way because of his instructions, then he needs to go. If the players are not listening to his instructions, then he needs to go. Uh, another Robbie out from Daniel Ross, who says, Robbie out, that performance has been coming for weeks. We've been far too, uh, we've been far from impressive for a long time. Something is seriously wrong with the coaching. If we are practicing playing with high intensity and energy, as Nielsen try, uh, tells us we are, there is zero evidence of it. Um, Looking at that, Ian, to talk about, you know, some people are saying to go now and look, you will always get those shouts. Um, you know, what what would you say? Do you think, is there any merit to saying get rid of the manager now or is it a case of you've kind of got to, whatever happens here, you've got to stick with him till the end of the season or do you think there would be a point that you'd have to change it before that comes? Well, I think you've got to be pragmatic and look at the, realities in life he's just signed an extension that takes him to 2026 so if he doesn't get third I think that's a different conversation but right now we're not going to sack a manager despite what what I see as the majority of our fans want now after after Saturday's game I don't think it's going to happen do you think the majority want him to go right now well, I, I could be wrong, but uh, the, the vocal the majority on social media, perhaps, but well, not surely yeah. not the majority. We all know the Twitter account Pants Shat on. He, he runs a Nielsen Neil South poll, and um, it was heavily out for the first time in a while. Now that could be a knee jerk reaction, it probably was, but this has been coming. If if you watch Hearts regularly from the outside looking in. You're thinking, Hearts are in third, what's the panic? But if you watch Hearts regularly, this has been coming for a while. Um, Dundee United game at Tank Castle, we got away with that one. Motherwell, Robbie said it was a blip and we're miles off it. Aberdeen, once again, we're miles off it. A question there then, if you're miles off it, why are you playing the same players that were miles off it against Motherwell? You know, guys, guys are out of form, leave them out. Bring some other people in. 
I don't think we're going to sack the manager. But what I do think should happen, the manager should be told from the boardroom that anything less than third will bring about a different conversation because he's, the investment he, that we've... He's got to be aware of that. He'll, he'll know oh, that. That's, that, oh, that, that's oh, his, oh, that's his target. Me, I'll tell you what worries me, Matt. Who on the board is going to have that conversation? Who's you don't have the conversation now. You don't have no, the conversation now. If you if you who, tell someone who's, go, who's uh, going to ever who's going to ever have that? Who is the football person on the board? I, I worry that we could be in another Levine situation here that drags on far too long. That's my concern. The board should be making crystal clear that third place is what this investment needs to be as a return. Do, do we know that they haven't done that though? Yeah, we, well, but, but, but well, Ian, we don't. We're, we're talking about third place, right? We're, it's the 21st of March when we're recording this. You yeah. don't get rid of a manager who's in third place right now, regardless, and, and how they've played of late hasn't been good enough. We get that. But if you're given a year's project and you're on course, your work might not be as great during that little spell where you've maybe not performed to the best of your ability, but you're still on course for third. You're not going to. Someone's not going to say, "Right, you, you're gone. You're you're fired." Uh, you're like, "No, well, hold on why, here." That's what I just said. Well, I'm just putting it in, in these terms. So, why are we talking? I understand there's a lot of dissatisfaction and there's a lot of anger right now. Part of the reason, go back to what I said right at the start about the whole Cockney. It's a totally different scenario come the summer if Hearts don't finish third, given where we've been and where we've. Prior to the World Cup, where we got to third, if we don't finish third, then there has to be questions about the future of the manager. And I can understand why people are talking about it right now, but it's the 21st of March here. Let's just see where this goes. <laughs> he's got to get a reaction from the players. And if he's under pressure just now from the vocal majority, minority, whatever they are, that's just going to intensify after Kilmarnock. And if we go into the top six split, having four-point lead right now without our position in third, if we're fourth or fifth or, or whatever, I'd like to think not with the, the games that we've got remaining, but you look at the games that Hibs have got and Aberdeen have got prior to the split as well, it's going to be very difficult, you would think, for Hearts not to be in third come then. Now, if Hearts win their next four, do these talks, do this frustration right now just get parked? Is it still dormant and there that when we probably do, because our record after the, the split in the top six away from home is nothing short of abysmal under Robbie Nielsen and under all the other managers. So is it just parked until then? Or what? where are we right now with regards to how much pressure he's under? Does he listen to the noise? Do we have the people in the boardroom that would say to him, look, I don't think I don't think you would. Even if we did have, we don't have a. It's not Joe Savage or whatever. He's a sporting director. He's not the type of guy that's going to say you need to finish third. Robbie's going to be aware of this. The way I would look at this is Lee McCulloch, Gordon Forrest. Are they simply yes men? Are they nodding dogs? Could they challenge Robbie and say, "Come on, we're a management team, but let's take us on board." Surely they're looking at that now. Is Robbie listening to them? If that's the case, do they have a dissenting voice? Are they trying something different? There's a lot that we're surmising here because we don't know what happens behind the scenes. Yeah, for all we, for all the, we know, those are week, the two who are trying to push three for three. We just don't know. <laughs> well, exactly. We're, we're, we're second guessing. We we don't see what happens Monday through Friday. 
And maybe that's a good thing because it doesn't look like that much is, but we don't know what's happening. But to make a decision, it is the most stupid thing for anyone to suggest right now to sack Robbie Nielsen when he is in third place. If we drop to fourth, you can have that conversation. You could there's merits to that, but it would still for me be wait until the end of the season. If Hearts finish third, that's all about the balance sheet and what we do next season by qualifying for Europe. Once again, and as, as as Laurie said last week, we have not done that. I think was it only once in sixty years that we finished back to back in third. So crazy, yes, yeah. it's not good enough right now, but just let's just hold on. You do not sack a manager uh, when you're telling him we want you to finish third. He's third right now. If he's not going to get sacked after Brora, he ain't going to get sacked after finishing. Well, not finishing. Sorry, after being in third place right now. That's a different story, though. If he's not third come the end of the season. Yeah, I think so, that's what I said, Mark. Yeah. That's exactly what I said. You know, uh, nobody's going to sack a manager in third, and he's just signed a three-year extension. So it's, it's not going to happen. But good business practice, the board should be telling them that third is the minimum expectation. Now, obviously, we're not going to get second, despite what, I don't know, there's noises coming out of Tynecastle that we're going to close the gap on second. Now, that is deluded, because they're just getting further and further away from us. So third is the best that we can get. Uh, obviously, we, we, we fell flat on our face in the cup as well, so we're not going to win a cup. But third is the best we can get. From a position of strength now, he should be able to manage that to the end of the season. Don't you agree? Scott, if I, if I said to you, right, if you were Robbie Nielsen, and I'm the board, and I say, right, you've got to finish third, your response to me was, we are third. Now, my response would then be something like, oh, but that performance at Aberdeen, or that performance against Motherwell, or, or whatever... This is where there's a board that do their job, there's a manager, head coach that does his job. Now, do we need someone, not a sporting director, do we need a director of football that is more football-orientated? We've got some brilliant business minds on the Heart Midlothian Football Club board, but do you think, Scott, we need someone on that board who has a football knowledge or anything like that, but can be that person that Ian was talking about and Laurie was talking about to say, just on him all the time, or do we not need something like that? What do you reckon, Scott? So this is where I think the conversation needs to go further than just about whether we finish third this season or not. So so first and foremost, I agree with everyone in the majority of the comments that I'm seeing on Twitter. It's manager and just out. And it has to be to the end of the season, because if you... If you strip away the emotive part of the Robbie Nielsen argument, which I think boils down to a lot of historical factors, whether it's fans who think back to his playing days or the fact that we won the, the championship at a canter a few years ago, or whether it's people that want to, you know, hark back to the, the money spinning replay at Easter Road or the defeats to Brora or Al and the Cups. It, you tend to find that the argument has a, a lot of emotion behind it. But if you actually just strip all that back and look at it to say, this manager's currently got us third, we're four and five points ahead of our immediate rivals, and there's nine games to go, you would say, well, of course you're not going to change that, you know? Unless there was any significant evidence of players down in tools, which there hasn't been, or us being in trouble in a relegation battle, then there's no reason that you would change your manager towards the end of March of a season. So definitely on board with that. You're definitely looking at managing until the summer. Where I differ slightly from some people is that 
I want to not just look at this as if we finish third, then then he's safe. For me, there needs to be more evidence to suggest that we can build up a more consistent run of form away from home against the non-home firm teams. Now, when people beat Robbie with a stick regarding this, trying to go close the gap on the on the front on, on the top two, they tend to look at it from the wrong angle and they look at it in terms of a record against Rangers and Celtic, which I think's unrealistic. You know, Rangers and Celtic are as far away from the rest of the league as they have been over the last 20 to 30 years. I do, however, think that you can get closer to the top two by building up ahead of steam, by being more consistent home and away against the rest of the league. And we proved that in the 97-98 season. We couldn't get any results against Rangers and Celtic, bar a couple of draws. But the reason why we stayed within touch of those two teams as well as we did was because we went to Far Park and won twice. We got four points at Pataudry. We, we got four points at Kilmarnock. Uh, we got four points at... at, at uh, at Tanadice, it's because of the consistency that we built up against the rest of the league. Now, unfortunately for Robbie, I haven't seen evidence of that yet. So for me, it's not just about whether we finish third come the summer. I also need to see that there's evidence to suggest that next season we can achieve that. Because let's be honest, Aberdeen and Hibs aren't going to continue to be this inconsistent. There's going to come a point where they're going to get something right in terms of bringing in the right manager, the right personnel at playing level. So we've got to we've got to see our board do something that very seldom you see football boards do, unfortunately, and that's be proactive rather than reactionary. Now, yeah. the reason I don't think this will happen is because for all the the sort of micromanagement and knee-jerk reactions that we all give on, on sort of social platforms on a week-to-week basis. The bottom line is, is that if Hearts finish third and they've got a waiting list for season tickets, why are the board going to look at Robbie Nielsen's position? I just don't think it'll happen. But for me personally, I do think that it goes past just finishing third. I need to see that there's enough there to suggest that we can maintain that going forward and build on it. So the, the way to get away from the rest, never mind close the gap on the top two, to get away from the rest... We need another season in group stage, conference or Europa. And that will lead to greater reinvestment in the playing squad, which should be enough to put a bit of distance between us and the rest. This is a unique opportunity. This season, we managed group stage football and I think we made about five million, three million net. But we've reinvested in the stadium. So next year, It'll be pure profit. That's why third this year is so important. And I think the board will be looking at that. You're listening to Scarves Around the Funnel, sponsored by Forrest Hepburn and McDonald Signs, who have been offering creative sign and print solutions since the 1950s. So we've talked about a few few big points. And I, I wanted to talk about... I want to get each person's thoughts on what their preferred team would be in terms of a setup and get your thoughts on whether Hearts will finish third. I'm going to get a quick um, few teams from those who've messaged us. Alistair Dobby says, um, back four of Smith, Civic, Rose, Cochrane, 
Keown Devlin sitting, Janelli Grant Forrest uh, behind Shankland, or a 3-5-2, Sibic Rose Kingsley, Smith Cochran, um, Snodgrass Devlin Grant in the middle, Shankland and Janelli up front. Uh, we've got a 4-3-3 from Grant Haddon, who says Clark and goal, Smith right, Cochran left, Sibic and Rose in the centre, Grant, Keogh, Snodgrass midfield, uh, Janelli, Shankland, Mackay, the front three. We have uh, another one here. We've got, well, called it a 4 5 1 from Rowdy Hart Tiger, who says um, we've got Cochrane left, Smith right, Kingsley, Kingsley and Rolls in the centre, two left footers with Civic holding midfield, Grant, Devlin, Keo, Gino midfield four with Shankland up front. So a slightly different one there. Um, Scott, what would your team be if you had to pick, right, what's the best Hearts formation and team? Um, don't even necessarily have to admit in the full 11, but, you know, your key players and, and what what would the system be for you? So, um, naturally, I'm, I'm trying to think of a formation that still allows us to play that sort of possession-based football that, that clearly Robbie prefers to play. So, naturally, where I'm, I'm trying to do this, I'm not trying to think too radically. I think that moving to a 4 2 3 1 would be quite good. So, first of all, you know, it gives us a bit more defensive stability and balance. I think compared to playing three at the back, where you can get pulled about quite a bit, particularly on the counter attack. I think it also allows you to go man for man in terms of pressing up top as well, because you know you've got those two sort of sitting midfielders, so to speak. And that's something that's been missed from Tynecastle uh, a, a lot this season. If you think, but you know, I, again, I only want to state this as my preference. I don't want to be seen to be trying to speak for, for the masses. But on a personal preference level, I like to see Tynecastle when we come out, flying out the traps for five, ten minutes, not only in possession, but also out possession. And I do think with the 4 2 3 1, you could have your front four almost going man for man and pressing teams back, winning possession in their half, and then sort of turning them quickly as well. Uh, in terms of the team that I had in mind, Clark and Goals, obviously, uh, I, I think most of the guys have already alluded to this in terms of the back four tonight. So it would be Smith, Sibic, Rose and Cochran. I would have Devlin and Keogh just playing, just sort of sitting in front of those four. I would then have Mackay and Grant, playing either side of Snodgrass and then a top Shankman up top. And what you've got with that front four is a lot of very intelligent footballers who are comfortable with the ball at their feet as well and could lead to us overloading teams through the central areas. So you can still open space up in those wide areas for people like Cochran and Smith that, that, that do have the stamina and the athleticism to get up and down the park. I just think that they're better, better suited from doing it from deeper positions. Ian, how about you? Yeah, I, I would go 4-4-2, actually. Um, back four, well, Clark, back four of Smith, Sinek, Rose, Cochrane. Uh, midfield, I've had, I'd have Atkinson in front of Smith. I've had, I'd have Devlin sitting with Grant and Halliday alongside and uh, Shankman and Ginelli up front. I just think our, our, our shocking shots on targets away from home. We need to we need to do something something different. Otherwise, it's just going to continue. And um, you know, I hope you're not going to ask for a prediction on the uh, next ne next away game. But um, I wouldn't be too confident to be honest with you on a plastic pitch. 
Um, no, we won't put we won't put that pressure on you yet. No, it's uh, almost two weeks away still. So we'll we'll, we'll maybe do that next week. Um, I, yeah, I mean, I think I spoke about a team that I with the personnel available that I would have preferred for the Aberdeen game, which I guess just now with again personnel available is probably a similar shape that I would like, which is a four three three, but you could call it four three one two, which Clark and goals at the moment. I like the back four. I think the same that a few people have mentioned, um, which is Smith, right, Cochrane, left, Sibic and Rolls in the centre. Um, Devlin, Snodgrass, Keogh, so some legs beside Snodgrass. And again, this is just with who we've got available. Grant, then supporting Shanklin and Ginelli. I should say home um, and in different circumstances and maybe play Mackay in there. You could even drop Grant into the Keogh role and have Mackay in. So maybe have Devlin, Snodgrass and Grant and then Mackay in that free role behind Shanklin and Ginelli. Um So yeah, I, can, I quite liked the 4-3-3 when we were playing that. I know Robbie had a spell of favouring that this season. I quite liked the look of it. I know it was a tough run of games. We were a bit depleted injury-wise. Confidence was low at that time, but I, I did quite like that system. Uh, uh, Mark, you? Mm. I think it's 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 difficult to pick one for every game because we've discussed that one formation might suit as Scott came up with the stats earlier, it might suit Tyne Castle, but you can't just say, well, it works there, it's gonna work away. It doesn't happen like that. I liked Ian's um four four two. That would probably be more for an away game for me, where you've got the kind of two right backs, you've got protection for them. I've kind of gone for a, a four three one two. Um and I'm not playing Barry Mackay. Now, th- this is a generic one. If it was a home game against a team that we were going to have loads of the ball, we were expected to win, I think you need his creativity. But if it was a, a game where it was a battle, and you'd, I think what we've struggled with this season is is, um, is legs in the middle of the park. So I, I think we need something in there, and I think we need three in there. So I've gone Clark and goal, Smith, Civic, Rolls and Cochrane. Midfield three of Devlin, Keogh and Grant. You could also play Andy Halliday in there if you wanted someone on the, the left-hand side. And if you did, you could move Grant forward and not play Snodgrass. But I've got Snodgrass as a, a 10, um, as someone that you're not relying on if he loses the ball to have to track back because he's unable to do so. And I've got Gino and, and Shankland in attack. So again, if it's a game that we're expected to win and it's at home, I'd, I'd certainly try and find a way for Barry Mackay. If it's an away game where we want to control, and as the guys were talking about earlier, having more of possession. And just because you've got more possession, that's one of the stats that annoys me in football is possession because it's easy to have 60% of the ball if the majority of that is in your own half, just passing between centre-backs to midfielders and giving it back. Because a lot of our possession, I think, is aimless and pointless. Um, We don't do enough with it. I don't think it's direct enough or or quick enough. So, yeah, we've had 60-odd percent of possession against Aberdeen, Big deal. What kind of possession was that? It wasn't good enough. So that's what I've gone. I've gone four at the back. Interesting that none of us have gone with five at the back. Just because we don't right now, and we don't have the the, the movement at left wing back and at right wing back to bomb forward, to get back. I spoke last week, have they, have they looked for someone in the, the, the January transfer window at right back or right wing back? Of course, the Callum Patterson story is there. I don't think we get Callum Patterson if Sheffield Wednesday go up. And if we don't, do we have a backup for someone else if that was the position that we identified Callum Patterson to play for Hearts? We shall see. 
Um, um, well, we were, we're running short on time, but I want to put three questions past everyone before we go. Um, will Hearts finish third? Will Robbie be the manager next season? Should he be the manager next season? Um, Mark, I'll start <laughs> with you. Will Hearts get third place? Yes. Will Robbie be the manager at the start of next season? Yes. Should he be the manager at the start of next season? Yes, if they finish third. Slight delay, but okay. Well, you're not you're not getting rid of him. If he does, <laughs> if someone says to you, "This is your aim," go and do it, and he does it, you're not getting rid of someone for no? for doing that. Now, it might have caveats and say, "Look, there's a there's a lot of people that weren't happy with the way that Hearts were playing and some of the results that they got in." He'd just come back and say, "I finished third." That's what you asked me to do. From a personal perspective, pride and improvement, he'd say, well, a lot of that wasn't good enough. But yes, yes, and yes if third. Scott, will Hearts finish third? Yes. Will Robbie be the manager at the start of next season? Yes. Should he be the manager at the start of next season? I think I'm going to have to take the fifth amendment. Okay. That That was a longer pause than me. Yeah, yeah. I, I can edit that to be shorter, I, but I'll leave I it think, in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I think I'll answer that one in the summer because I do think, and again, just personal preference, it's more than just finishing third for me now. Uh, okay. I, I really need to see something to suggest that we can build on the last two years as well. Uh, so I, I'll, I'll take the fifth on that one. Fair, okay. Ian, will Hearts finish third? Yes. Will Robbie be the manager at the start of next season? Yes. Should he be the manager at the start of next season? The longest pause yet. Ian's just not going to answer. He's just going to ignore me. Yeah, I'm unsure, to be honest. I'm I'm unsure. It depends on a variety of factors. I know it's a quick fire round, but variety of factors for me. (laughs) If I could see... That was deliberate, by the way. I mean, I knew. <laughs> improvement. If I could see improvement in players as they come into the club, like say, Atkinson, like say, uh, Lewis Nielsen, if players like that were bringing, like say, James Hill, if we could see improvements, I'd say, fair enough, if he finishes third. But, you know, like, like Scott, the, the, there's more to that than just finishing third. We should finish third, given our budget. So that... That should be a given. We're making it harder than it probably needs to be, but I do think we'll finish third. And I do we should finish third with our budget. Aberdeen have got a bigger budget than us. Hibs have had a bigger budget than us. Well, I'm talking about the the money that's been invested in the club. Um, Aberdeen has we've got continuity in management that they've not had the last. Uh, Absolute yeah. basket cases. You've just quoted there, Mark. They're not going to be basket cases forever. No, Laurie. Three yeah. questions. Yep. For you, same question. Will Hearts finish third? Yes. Will Robbie Nielsen be Hearts manager next season? Yes. Should Robbie Nielsen be Hearts manager next season? Yes. However, oh. however, I think, I, I, I agree that if, if he gets third, I think he should be manager. Um, I'm not saying that I think he's definitely going to be the long-term answer. I think there should be then, if we get third, and if even if it is not as comfortable as we would like, I think then next season we have to look at progress. You go like, we'll we'll have group stages again next season. 
we need to be better in these areas. It can't be um, this bad away from home. We can't have these struggles because, like like a few guys have alluded to, Aberdeen and Hibs having their own catastrophes at points has helped us. So I think yes to all three definitely. You know, the third one is a yes if the first if the you know, if the first two are uh, the first one's a yes, I should say. But I think there should then be, you know, we need to now see improvement. I think, it, and if if we're this kind of position next season, I think that's when it's like, well, we want to. If we're going to make a change, we do it from a position of strength. So, you know, we could well be sitting third this time next year. If we're in this position next year, having had a year of experiencing the group stage football and everything that goes with it, then I think you'd be looking at a change. Um, but yeah, for now, I think it's it's. Um, it's a it's a yes. It's a yes. I, I, I think it, if we finish third, and, and hopefully we do, I think we're in a position next season, assuming Celtic or Rangers win the win the Scottish Cup, and we finish third. So we get the same as we did this year. We get eight games in Europe, four of them away from home. I think the manager deserves another season in charge because we then have a manager who has been there who has played and managed in these European games. And it was new for pretty much everybody at the football club. And then I think we're in a better position or predicament at this stage next season to compare and contrast. Did the manager learn? What has the manager learned? Has he learned enough from being in Europe that first season to being in Europe that second season? So I think if if Hearts finish third, Robbie Nielsen is going absolutely nowhere. He will be the Hearts manager next season. The interesting thing is, if the if, if it all goes tits up between now and the end of the season, which we all hope it doesn't, behind the scenes, they would never say publicly, but is the Hearts board currently working on a succession plan should things not go right and there is a divorce between Robbie Nielsen and Hart Midlothian Football Club in the summer, are they working on a potential replacement which they they should be, not because we think that Robbie's going to lose his job or anything like that. But you you can, you can't if you're running a successful business, you can't not have a a succession plan. Which leads to the next question, and I know we're running out of time. I just want to quickly get your thoughts. You've asked us questions. I want to get a question to each of you. If for any reason Robbie Nielsen is not manager of Heart of Midlothian on the first day of next season, who should be? Scott, first of all. <laughs> My God. <laughs> I, I think that's a really hard one. And I, I'm not trying to sidestep it, but ultimately, those sorts of decisions are for the board to make. Because ultimately, it's who impresses you during interviews. And we don't know what sort of questions are asked and answered. So sometimes when you're asked which, which manager do you want, it's so simple to just go, well, I quite like A, B or C because of the job that they're doing at these other clubs, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be successes here. Uh, so I, that's it's just too hard to too hard to answer, I'm afraid. Sorry. Ian? So I think, first thing, succession planning is just sound business sense. Um, any business... Right. I don't have a successive plan. You know, in my corporate life, we used to get asked about what would happen if your best man or woman went under a bus tomorrow. And, and you need to have that in mind. The, the, the problem with 
football as an industry, things change and move and they're fluid. Uh, the guy that you want in like next week might get a job on a long-term contract, etc., etc. But I'll have a stab. A guy that's impressed me, uh, I'm not very sure what his name is. I think it might be Nutson, uh, the Bodo Glimp manager. Um, the way his team played at, at, at Celtic Park, you know, it was high-tempo stuff, one touch. And at the time, I remember Googling their salaries and I was shocked. They were all under two grand a week. So it wasn't huge money. So presumably the manager's not on a huge contract. But that, that, that's the type of guy, forward-thinking, experienced in Europe, wouldn't cost us a fortune. I'm, I'm saying that without knowing all the facts, obviously. But that, that's a name I would throw in if and when uh, it has to come. But yeah, succession planning, absolutely core business practice. Laurie? I'm not giving you a name for that. No, I don't like that game. There would be a, a process, there'd be an interview process, there would depend who's available. Um, if it was to happen, I would like it to be from a position of strength. I would like it to be with plenty of time. Um, and, yeah, I, I can't give you a name. It just, yeah, I'm going with Scott on this one. Bottling it. Yeah, well, that's fair. Plus, <laughs> plus, I was trying to round things up and you decided to just... No, I know. Just a, a, a wee late curveball as we're at the bottom of the ninth. Remember that? Remember the Tommy Wright chance? Or the Tommy Wright thoughts on kickback? Oh God, you can imagine people get annoyed with Robin <laughs> Nielsen's style of football. Um, oh, exactly. Anyway, thank you very much to Scott and Ian. It's been a pleasure having you both on. Pleasure being here, guys. Thanks again, guys. And thank you to everyone for tuning in. Uh, we will have another episode this week. As I mentioned, we'll uh, be joined by Scott Wilson and the, and the next part John, manager and John Robertson <laughs> there we go we can ask him that's what I should have said John Robertson next manager um, if you've got any questions you can uh, give us a tweet at around the funnel or you can email podcast at scarves around the funnel dot co uk um, until then thanks for tuning in You soon end up dead It's the same old story Same old song and dance My friend It's the same old story Same old song and dance My friend Shame the looking loser You played with my gun No smooth face a lawyer Can get you undone Say love